Canada curious? This is the Yes We Canada podcast, the progressive's guide to getting the fuck out. This episode, ready, aim, wellness check, racism in Canada. Hi, I'm Matt Zimbel. And I'm Mio Edelman. Canada was the final destination of the Underground Railroad. We didn't write poems about accepting someone's huddled masses. We just did it. Often, quite reluctantly. Up here, you see, we like our racism discreet and polite. <laughs> That's right. If you're a person of color, and please note up here, it's spelled C-O-L-O-U-R, because vowels are cheap in Canada. The chance of being called a racist name, fairly remote, but you might just not get the job, the apartment, the raise, the gig, because you might think you're moving to a non-racist country, but you're not. And while police chiefs across the country will deny, 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 in practice, it does seem that driving while black is still a statute in the Canadian criminal code. I always look, two black men in the car, there's two white cops with their hands on their waist standing by the car doors. That look is as common in Canada as snow. The other day, I saw a black cop pull over a white driver and I thought, man, am I seeing a negative? You live in Montreal, which it's even worse there, but discrimination in Canada is very much alive and well. It's personal, it's institutional, and for instance, our indigenous people make up only 4.9% of the total population, but 30% of the total prison population. Does that sound familiar, Americans? African Canadians represent 3% of the Canadian population, but 9% of the total prison population. And the UN reported that while 6% of Canadian white women live below the poverty line, 25% of black women live below that same poverty line. Comparisons done on wages found that black women in Canada are paid 15% less than white women, and check this out, 37% less than white men for the same work. That's, that is just so incredible to me, you know? It's unbelievable. I mean, I can't even conceive of how somebody in accounting would, like, go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, so... You're Japanese and Jewish, right? Uh, yes. And I just want to assure you, Mio, that you are getting paid the same as everyone else on Yes We Can. I am very happy to be getting zero dollars just like you are getting zero dollars <laughs> for doing this important work, shepherding new people into this country. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> now, in 2018, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is unquestionably the most rigorous news source in Canada, mm -hmm. did an investigative report on Canadians being shot by the police. Now, there's some math here, so you've got to pay attention. Okay. From 2000 to 2018, so 18 years, 461 people were shot and killed by police in Canada. Wow. Now, at first glance, the racial breakdown is quite surprising. 461 killed, but get this, 212 of them were white. That's not so surprising to me, but okay. It might lead you to believe that cops are popping off white people <laughs> like crazy up here. When you dig a little deeper, you fast realize that, of course, fewer black and indigenous people were being shot by the police because they were a much smaller part of the population. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, yes, you're you're talking as a mathematician <laughs> and a statistician, uh, Matt. Um, I uh, I'm gonna. Th- these are percentages that you're talking about, relative per capita percentages. Exactly. So, seventy percent of police shootings of citizens involve people with a history of mental instability, or who were high on drugs or alcohol. So, 116 of the 461 people killed were unarmed at the time of their shooting. One woman was shot to death by police after she came at them with a toilet seat. A toilet seat. I shouldn't laugh. She was considered armed and dangerous. And you know, Mio, I learned a new phrase this this year. <laughs> really? Does this have to do with toilets? No. Well, in a way, yes. <laughs> okay. It's called a wellness check. I had never heard the term before last spring when mm-hmm. in the span of three weeks in Canada, four people of color, two in New Brunswick, one in Toronto and one in Mississauga, ended up dead after police did a wellness check. Mm-hmm. You know, something is systematically wrong when a wellness check by police does not turn out well. A wellness check should be a time for de-escalation, compassion and persuasion, not an armed attack from a tactical unit. Mental health is clearly not the domain of the police, and they should be taken off the dossier stat. So that's an opinion, and I know that you come to Yes We Canada for facts. <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm so surprised. Like you really are editorializing right now. I, I love it. I li- like go for it. Do it. That, yes, that's right. I just cut myself <laughs> loose. But, but look, we're going to compare police shootings in the United States with police shootings in Canada, and this is important. Because when you immigrate to Canada, you have to know what your, what your chances are. In Canada, we have a population of 38 million. So 461 people died by police hands in 18 years. In America, you have a population of roughly 330 million, at least you did before the pandemic. And in 2019 alone, just one year, over 1,000 people were in killed one by year. police. In okay, one year. But that's year. double the amount that died up here in 18 years. Wow. Okay. That's right. So you are much Mm -hmm. safer here. All the same, if you're white, crazy, drunk, or high, you might not want to immigrate to Canada. It's far too dangerous. (laughs) Is that a message for Randy Quaid? (laughs) Yes, that's right. Perfect. (laughs) I would recommend you move to Delaware, where the state motto is liberty and independence. And in 2019, only one person was killed by police. Hmm. But if you're brave and still looking for that endless winter feeling, move to Alaska where per capita, police kill more people than any other state except one. Really? In Alaska, the state motto is, Police! Freeze! Whoops. Damn. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Fuck. No, no. Are you going to tell me what the other state is, or is that coming later? Um, I have the team on it. I have the team okay, researching okay. that. Okay, I don't want you to think that we're being completely smug here. Uh, American police clearly pop off more citizens than Canadian police do, but when it comes to race in Canada, there's a big problem. And I think that a big part of the problem is we love to think of ourselves as fair. I mean, I guess you do too, because your slave-owning founding fathers wrote that killer line for the Declaration of Independence All men are created equal. I love that line. It's a good line. So we can fix this for you. If you're having a problem with racism and sexism in your workplace, you should start a diversity and inclusion committee, a DNI committee. 
Then you could hire a company to do a third-party institution-wide review of policies and practices. And then once you've spent all your money on consultants so you feel a little bit better about your workplace, boardroom, or management suites full of the entitled, you can put all these heartfelt emotions and commitments into your annual report. So good. Awesome. So good. (laughs) It's so great. You can even do a mission statement. It's not going to help at the job interview, though. So if you're a person of color en route to Canada as an immigrant, you need to prepare yourself. Now, one method of securing a job interview that I'm going to recommend is kind of a slight revision to your name. Think of it as kind of like a nickname refresh. And I learned this process from a woman friend of mine who wanted to work on the ferry boats between Quebec City and Levy. She had all the qualifications, but realized that they were only hiring men. So she officially changed her name from Carolyn to William. She got and aced the interview, and tricked as they were, they must have been mighty embarrassed because she was their first female hire. Wow. To this day, she's called William or Will, but I call her Bill and sometimes Captain. (laughs) Captain Bill. Now, many of my black friends have become experts in what we call the CV whitewash. Tyrone Brown is not getting an interview, but Timothy Claridge Brown? Timmy, come on down! Jamal, you might want to jimmy up your first name for the CV. Pass the whiteout. That prestigious scholarship you got at the Black College? Control delete. In front of a white Canadian employer, and that's the only kind I've ever faced in an interview, if you're a person of color, you know, you may have the chops, but do you have what's quaintly referred to as the fit? Culture fit, yeah. That's right. In Quebec, I'll give you another example, our provincial police, they're kind of like your state troopers, minus all the military surplus tanks and rocket launchers that the Bush administration made available to police forces around America to maintain public safety. But in Quebec, our local police force is called the Sûreté de Québec. And from 2005 to 2015, the force hired 735 new officers. And here comes the bomb. Five, yep, one, two, three, four, five. We're from cultural communities, whatever the fuck that means. Maybe there were like three white Jews, one white Italian, and one white German with a beard who speaks Farsi. Less than 1% of the Surete police force is from the cultural community. By the way, Mio, where exactly is the cultural community? Because I bet the food and the dancing there are like crazy good. I mean, there's lots of cultural communities in Montreal. Um, I love the way you count to five in Isn't French. Isn't that amazing? I, Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. So in a study that was done on how police force hiring policies reflect their local communities, only Halifax in Nova Scotia and Hamilton in Ontario came close to matching their diverse populations with diversity on their police forces. I've lived in Montreal for 30 years, and I have never once, not once, seen a black, Asian, or Hispanic firefighter. And believe me, I keep looking. I mean, there must be one, but I've never seen him or her. I don't know. Maybe black people don't want to be firefighters. Yeah, that must be it. The excitement, the excellent pay, the pension. Yeah, who would want that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, white people in my province of Quebec are very touchy about outsiders, such as myself, pointing to these numbers and talking about institutional racism. Though I speak French, 
As an Anglo-American, I will always be slightly an outsider, a bit of a curiosity, and certainly unlicensed to hurl any criticisms of Quebec, my adopted homeland. I wish I could tell you that it was different in the boardrooms in, in this country, but certainly it is not. Canada's largest city, Toronto, is absolutely one of the most ethnically diverse places on the planet. And you can see much more of a diverse population in the management sector in Toronto than you can in Quebec. But its boardrooms remain relatively free of women, black, brown, yellow, and red people. Maybe people of color don't want to be presidents of companies. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah. Well, there are limits. I mean, surely women must not want to be in the boardrooms in this country. But, you know, I mean, maybe women don't like serving on boards. It's boring. That's a good point. And the amount of money you make by subjecting yourself to that boredom four times a year? Mm -hmm. In a 2017 study by the Canadian Securities Administrators, of 660 public companies, 259 had no women on the board, 221 had just one woman on the board, and only 29 companies had more than four women on the board. Bay Street, really? Is this the best you got? Bay Street? Matt, I, like, you're going to have to explain Bay Street. Oh, right. For our American listeners, Bay Street is our Wall Street with just less money. <laughs> A lot less money. Okay. <laughs> it's time for action. Someone get HR on the phone, and let's get them to study this right away. Thank you. I'll be at the country club if you need me. <laughs> okay, listen. I do think we might be in the early stages of being relatively woke as a country. I think that's fair. In 2015, the Liberal government under Justin Trudeau was elected, and they built a pretty diverse federal cabinet, 50% of whom were women, a bunch of, of people of color, and this is no easy task for a cabinet maker. <laughs> One has to balance the regions, the cities, the rural interests, the languages, cultural communities, and, of course, expertise. But as an American, I know that you've just learned that four years of a cabinet with no expertise, not such a big not deal. A biggie. We should be funding and investing in students, not in school, school buildings. So this cabinet is gender balanced and very diverse. The Canadian government has also recently uh, apologized to our indigenous people for the residential school system, where native children were forcibly removed from their families and placed into provincial boarding schools that were operated by the Christian church, where they were abused and had their culture and language exercised. To hear the stories of government and church collusion of horrors that went on until the late 1980s is jaw-dropping. To think that men and women of God could rain such atrocity on little children is just, there's just no way in. There's just no rearview mirror of the era or of the ignorance that makes it okay. It was a racial cleansing. It's nothing less than state-sponsored genocide, where some estimates place the children who died in the state and church-run facilities as more than 6,500 people. And another program uh, brought to you by the Canadian government was called The 60s Scoop. And I know that sounds kind of catchy, mm -hmm. like some kind of 1960s counterculture journalism. But actually, it was a program where Native children were taken from their families, scooped off the reservation without permission and adopted by white families. A cash settlement was made. A Truth and Reconciliation Commission was enacted, but the pain and the damage will be with the community for generations, generational trauma. I mean, racism walks among us. 
And unlike the previous conservative government, which fell in 2014 after nine years of autocratic rule, the liberal government, full disclosure, I did not vote for them, has made a firm and I believe heartfelt commitment to Indigenous rights to ensure that they have the same services that all Canadians have access to. But justifiably, Indigenous leaders in Canada are still trying to sort the government's talking points from the government's action items. Progress on many of the issues facing people of colour in our country is advancing, but like most things in Canada, the advance is cautious, glacial, and utterly free of alacrity. And I have absolutely no idea what alacrity means, but it's bad. Racism (laughs) is regional in our country. The places where the population is predominantly white tend to be harder for people of colour to integrate. Let me jump in here, because I remember going to see Jerry Seinfeld in Quebec City, and the the Mm -hmm. comic Mario Joyner opened for his show, and he had such a great Mm -hmm. line. He walks out on stage, he goes, wow, it sure is pretty here in Quebec. Tell me, where do y'all keep your black people? <laughs> was, was, was he black? Was Mario Joyner black? Yes. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of black people in Quebec, actually. I mean, people might not know that. Uh, and then on the east... Not in Quebec City. N- oh, not in Quebec City. No, right, no, no. Exactly. They're, right, right, right. They're in Montreal. Right, right, right. But I want to tell you about a place that we share a bit of a history on. L- Little Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada mm-hmm. is Canada's smallest province. Mm-hmm. And there's a population of 142,000 of whom 139 are white from predominantly Scottish, English, and Irish roots. As I mentioned in some other previous version of Yes We Canada's podcast, my family spent some time there in the 1970s. My adopted sister, who is black and Korean, recalls a childhood on Prince Edward Island of being taunted and discriminated against relentlessly. Terrible. And yet, little PEI, with only 528 people of Lebanese descent, has elected two Lebanese premiers. And for the citizenship test, a premier is like your governor with smaller salaries and no motorcades. To that point, uh, I once had spent the whole night up drinking in Charlottetown, and my buddies and I were hanging out in some small park, in just lolling around in the park, and Joe Giz, one of those Lebanese premiers, walked through the park and by us, looked over at us and said, tough night, eh, fellas? And, and, and walked and kept walking on his way to... Uh, on his way to work. Premiers I have actually met. That's very good. Well, and and also I hung out with his son, but I'm going to let you get to that first. Yeah, well, Joseph Atala Joe Giz Mm -hmm. was first elected premier in 1986. He was the first premier in Canada from non-European descent. Mm -hmm. And in 2007, his son Robert won the premiership. That's the guy I used to hang out with. There you go. See, people are so close. Like, Mm -hmm. can you imagine being this close to a governor? That's right. We know everybody. No, that's what I mean. Everybody. Move to Canada, meet everybody. And just to prove to you how crazy those wacky Prince Edward Islanders are, they then elected a woman as premier, and then they elected a gay man. Whoa, I, I don't even know about any of this. Oh, yeah. So clearly small does not necessarily mean small minded, though I don't think my sister would agree even 40 years later. So when your application to Canada is approved, you might want to write to the Minister of Citizenship and Immigration to thank him. His name is Marco Mendocino. And if he's too busy to write you back, write to his predecessor. His name was Ahmed Hussein.
Uh, hang on just a second here. We, we've got some uh, breaking news. Uh, this just in, Montreal has confirmed a new fire chief. Richard Liebman will be Montreal's first Jewish fire chief. He says one of his first priorities is to deal with the lack of diversity in the Montreal Firefighters Brigade that is currently at um, 1%. Reach for comment, Liebman's father said, I've wanted my son to be top doctor, and now he's top firefighter. Oi! Hit subscribe, like, and write a kind review if you're so inspired. And in exchange, the Yes We Canada podcast will help you get into Canada where Medicare is free. How's that for Canadian exceptionalism?